Let's find out right now what's going on in Washington, D.C. Our great friend that we talk to every Tuesday at this time, there he is, inside the Beltway, the Real Clear Politics reporter and correspondent for the White House, Philip Wegman. Philip, happy New Hampshire primary to you. Happy primary day. Thanks for having me, Pat. Um, so, in fact, now are you in New Hampshire or are you in D.C.? I am in New Hampshire. Okay. It's much colder up here, but this is, in all likelihood, the last dance, uh, a true do-or-die situation for the former ambassador. If she is going to blunt Donald Trump's yeah. march and his rise to the nomination, she's got to do it in New Hampshire, uh, which is... Uh, you know, as suburban as Iowa was rural, this is fertile ground for a challenge. And the thought is, if she can pull off an upset here, then she can turn this into a real race. Otherwise, uh, it's looking more and more like a roll. Well, and, and let's let's look at this real quick, Philip. Here's my understanding of the breakdown. If you are already assigned to a party, that's the primary you have to vote in. If you're not then you could go in there and select if you're brand new and you're just uh, putting down voting for the first time. You can select that whole bit. And the numbers I saw, tell me if you think I'm way off here. It's like 30 percent Republicans, 31 percent Democrat. Uh, they're in New Hampshire as far as their registrations. And so then that means the balance of the state, uh, which would be what, about another 39 percent, are all independents. Now, would she get all the independents. No. But odds are, if she's going to make a mark with anybody, it would be in the independent vote. I think it'll be very interesting to see how that independent plays out. Now, he's not going to get all the Republicans either, but he's going to get the lion's share. Uh, but if he gets 60 or 65 percent of the Republicans, that still throws a few to her column. And then if she starts you know, stacking on some independents on top of that, it might be closer than we think. That, that's right. Um, and so the hope here for Haley is that she can drive that independent vote, that she can get um, as many independent voters or dissatisfied Democratic voters to turn out for her. A big dynamic in this race right now is that Joe Biden is not playing in New Hampshire. Generally, they have the Republican and Democratic primaries at the same time. But uh, because the president moved the first in the nation primary for Democrats to South Carolina, which was more favorable territory for him, yeah. uh, you know, there are a lot of Democrats up here who are saying there's no contest. So I might as well, rather than throwing my vote away, I might as well go play on the Republican side and see what happens. Yeah, well, Another well, thing to note here, though. Well, the independents you know, could do that. But you said, you know, if she had some disenfranchised Democrats. They can't cross over in the primaries, can they? Because as soon as they walk yeah. in, when the if worker pulls they, up their name, their address, you know, and all that, it's going to pop up Democrat. That's the only option they've got. No, that's that's right. If they are registered Democrat before they go into the polls, uh, there's a table at on on the um, outside of every polling place where you can register right after you vote, and you can change. Uh, your um, registration to independent, Democratic, or Republican right after you vote. So, um, for instance, if someone voted in the Republican primary uh, last time, they are a registered uh, Republican. If they voted in the Democratic primary, they're a registered Democrat. But what they can do right after they cast their ballot is they can then register again for next year, for the next contest, as an independent. And that is one of the unique quirks of New Hampshire um, where 
they they really do put a premium on being independent on being unaligned and so um you're right about the the dynamic going in uh but th- there are a lot of folks up here who you know say oh i'm a democrat or i'm a republican but uh you know they are registered as an independent because they you know switched the registration at the end of the uh last last election it's a it's a strange quirk but it could be one that has big consequences for nikki haley and i just want to preempt um you know i, I think a, a gripe that i'm hearing more and more uh from um president trump and his campaign they have complained that haley is appealing to independence well in 2016, Donald Trump won this state yep. in large part yep. by appealing to first-time voters and, and independents. Yep. So uh, there's a, there's a bit of hypocrisy there. Yeah, there there is. You know, I get why they're doing it. It's it's you know we've got to put the nail in her coffin and we need to do it right here. They really can't afford for her to be able to get much more headway as they're going forward. Um, when you talk now, now, you've been in New Hampshire since when? Uh, I flew in on. Friday. Okay. And I uh, got here Saturday morning at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. You know, what I tell you, I so envy you and your position and all the great travel you get to do. That's a lie. Okay. Just so you understand that. <laughs> um, so, 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 you, so you're there and you're on the ground. You go on Friday. You're in place on Saturday. So, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, now Tuesday, in your fourth real day in New Hampshire. What's your gut check? I mean, Donald does own the Republican vote, right? That's right. Uh, Trump is this unique character, and we've talked about this before, where he is the establishment. And you can say, no, he's the candidate who wanted to drain the swamp. He is the candidate who is at war with uh, Majority Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Um, And that's true. But for the most part, uh, the Republican establishment has lined up behind him. Guys like... uh, Senator Tim Scott, who is the chairman of the Senate Banking Committee, um, you know, the South Carolina governor, Henry McMaster, not exactly a, a limited government type. Uh, a, a number of Republicans from across the spectrum have lined up against him because he's the most powerful Republican that there is. And yet at the same time, even as he enjoys the advantages of uh, almost incumbency, you know, as he runs as a, a former president, he's also able to um, be the leader of this massive grassroots movement. Uh, people uh, are excited to, you know, come to his uh, rallies because they, you know, they don't know what they're going to get. They don't know what they're going to see. Um, there's, there's definitely a uh, curiosity factor there. And so Trump has the best of both worlds. He has political muscle, and then he also has uh, grassroots support. And Nikki Haley, her team, um, when I talked to Governor Chris Sununu, uh, the New Hampshire governor who's stumping for her, you know, he was telling me, you know, she can win in New Hampshire. This is going to be a reset. And in the last couple of days, they have changed their tune uh, to start saying that they expect a strong second. So um, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, an upset is out of the question here, uh, but it, but it does seem improbable. Do you think if she is a very close second, define for me, first of all, you would consider a close second to be what? Five percentage points, 10 percentage points? Yeah. It's, it's got to be uh, within five percentage points. What okay. the Trump campaign wants is they want something over 50 percent because right. if they get 50 percent of the vote here. They say, all right, it, it's done. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no other uh, there's no other game in town. It's time to unify. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they if they do two uh, pre-election, uh, you know, activities, a caucus and a primary 
and we're over 50% in each. Come on, folks, let's come together here. Let's get this over with. That's right. Um, now, Haley has been making the rounds today, and I found it really interesting that she scheduled a stop in South Carolina tomorrow. Um, but Haley has been uh, making the rounds and arguing uh, that she's in this for the long haul, that a number of states that are going to be uh, voting on Super Tuesday, they also have open primaries where she can appeal to independents, where she can convince folks to, uh, to register Republican. But, you know, that seems like a pipe dream if she gets blown out of the water by 10, 15 percent, as, uh, you know, Governor Chris Christie predicted. Yeah. Um, when I when I listened to all this, I you know, I wasn't surprised that Vivek Ramaswamy, when he dropped out of the race, that he instantly um, you know, threw his weight behind Donald Trump. Were you a little surprised uh, that when it happened that uh, the governor of Florida, when he, when DeSantis jumped out, he also immediately threw his support behind Donald Trump. Did that surprise you at all? I was not surprised by the DeSantis move, and I'll tell you why. Okay. There is great animosity within the DeSantis campaign and orbit over Nikki Haley. They don't think that she has a realistic shot. Their expectation is that she is going to lose in New Hampshire, that she's not going to be able to carry her home state of South Carolina, and that this appeal to moderates and independents, it's just not going to work uh, when you're running against Donald Trump. And so you know, they didn't have a problem with uh, you know, challenging her in Iowa. What they are frustrated by and resentful for is the fact that she spent $26 million in Iowa, much of it uh, in ads and campaign efforts to tear down the Florida governor rather than to go after Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, you know, and yet, you know, at, at the same time, um, that's what, what DeSantis was also doing. He, he trained his, his fire on, on Haley. He was trying to turn this into a two-person race. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's no love lost between the two of them in terms of just strategy and then also in terms of the fact that, um, you know, Rod DeSantis, very much more of a, a conservative um, sort of MAGA-friendly Republican, whereas Nikki Haley, she represents uh, more of a neoconservative old guard. Yeah, she's she's kind of the uh, she's kind of the soft. I'm kind of a conservative center of the Republican Party, and DeSantis is standing right there solidly in the gap. It's one of the reasons that Donald Trump endorsed him for governor of Florida, and it's one of the reasons that Trump said a couple of years ago that he wanted to live down there at Mar-a-Lago was because of the government, the administration of Ron DeSantis. Mm. One thing that I was surprised by were all of the efforts. Uh, from Trump folks to unify with DeSantis so quickly and brush all of the nasty campaigning underneath the rug. Um, we saw President Trump, he no longer called uh, the Florida governor DeSantis. He called him DeSantis for the first time in over a year and uh, you know welcomed him with open arms back into uh, the fold. You had Donald Trump Jr. making the rounds in New Hampshire saying um, that you know, he, we're very grateful that, that DeSantis had, had endorsed his father. But that reminded me of um, a moment from uh, former Vice President or Vice President Harris's time when she joined the ticket with with uh, President Biden. You know, she was asked by Stephen Colbert uh, about some of her attacks on Biden, where, where she called him a racist, and her response was, "Oh, it's politics. It's politics. It was a campaign." 
and she just sort of brushed it off as if, um, you know, you can say anything during a campaign. Yeah. And some of the attacks against DeSantis, not from Trump himself, but from people in his orbit. Um, well, actually, you know, from the former president, the former president brought up the fact that, you know, DeSantis taught at a, uh, you know, private school and he shared a picture of DeSantis with some um, some younger high school students and, and made some pretty um, disgusting accusations. Uh, and then also some people in his orbit who he's decided to surround himself with, Roger Stone, mm-hmm. Laura Loomer. Uh, they've said things that uh, would get you an FEC fine if I repeated them on air. So, you know, I, I do find the uh, all the talk about unity a little bit cheap. They either meant it when they were attacking him uh, or, or they didn't. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Let me just ask you real quick. You've been down there now about four days. Where has your activity been? Have you have you visibly been where Trump has been? Have you visibly been where uh, Nikki Haley has been? Have you been able to sit in on live events for both of them? I have been. And there's a difference in their tactics, which I think is is very interesting. Um, Donald Trump is sticking with his tried and true method of the mega rally, and he has not lost any zip on his fastball. Um, You know, he does uh, repeat some of the same jokes and tell some of the same stories, but um, he's able to fill these, uh, you know, these uh, coliseums and stadiums. And, you know, he he comes in and does the show. Whereas Nikki Haley, uh, she and Chris Sununu, they've been doing um, more one-on-one things with voters. They've been going to, um, you know, lobster pounds and VFW halls. Uh, and they've also, you know, they've had some big rallies, but there is, there's is much more um, in person. And we'll see if New Hampshire still puts a premium on that or if, if we've gotten to a, a sort of a, a mass media moment where it's true. All you need to do is, uh, you know, have a big rally, um, do a couple Fox News interviews and call it a day. With Nikki Haley, you know, um, my bias here is towards more access and more transparency. The old school approach that she's doing uh, has lent uh, itself to, you know, an opportunity for reporters like myself to ask her questions and, you know, to to push her on different issues. And I've been able to, you know, pepper her with a few questions over the last few days. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, you head home when? Tomorrow? Uh, sometime tomorrow, if, if I can get out of New Hampshire's Manchester Airport. I don't know if uh, I'm going to get snowed in or not. Um, rent a car and drive to the next state. I'm just telling you. I, w- I was in evangelism just long enough that I'll tell you, getting out of New Hampshire on a good day is not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, you know, but as long as I mean, as long as you're on, you know, the dime, you know, for your uh, for your uh, yeah. organization, just you know, st- another night at the Hilton. What's that? That's nothing. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell him. I'll tell him that you recommended that. No, no habla inglés. Hey, listen, I, I, Philip, I appreciate you very much, my good friend. We'll talk uh, soon. Now, next week um, we'll be back, and I'll be back. Tuesday will be my first day back. Next week, uh, Kim and I are going to a uh, a gospel inspiration event in Memphis, or, or, or in, sorry, in Nashville, and so we'll get back. Uh, Monday, and I'll be back on the air Tuesday, so you'll be on my first day back. I expect good reports from you, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, we'll talk to you then. Philip Wegman from Real Clear Politics. He is their White House correspondent. Podcasts by Federated Media.